All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am so excited about God. What a mighty God we serve. Today is January 3rd. Listen here, it is 2022. 2022, what you gonna do? (laughs) God is such a great God. He's an awesome God, and he is worthy to be praised. I believe this is the year that God is going to do a great work in the kingdom. He is going to do a great work in the kingdom. God is calling for leaders. God is calling for leaders to carry out his purpose in the earth. If you have not If you have not heard from God concerning his plan for your life, I would encourage you to jump on board to the next uh, 21 days. We will be praying and fasting and asking God for direction. We are asking God for direction. 2022 is all about Christ. It's all about Christ, me and you. <laughs> Look at God. You know, uh, maybe back in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, late uh, 90s, uh, every year, every year, the church would come out with these little cliche sayings and, and it would be a rhyme or something about the year. <laughs> we were doing it so much, I got so tired. I'm like, every year? Every year God give you a rap and a rhyme <laughs> about what he's going to do? But I'm telling you, this year, God has me excited, excited about 2022. I woke up this morning and the song was in my head. God, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Israel Holton, Israel Holton. I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. God knows my name. I am not forgotten, I am not forgotten, I am not forgotten, God knows my name, He knows my name, (laughs) I love that song, we are not forgotten, God has not forgotten us, He knows our name, and not only does He know our name, our natural name, the name that our parents gave us, or whomever named us, He knows our name in the kingdom, my God. He knows the name that is written in the Lamb's book of life. My God, my God, we are not forgotten. He has not forgotten about us. God is a faithful God and he is doing a great work. He is doing a great work in the kingdom and he wants you and you and you and me and you to get on board and do what he has called us to do. But I wanted to come before you today and talk about pursuing the path of peace, pursuing the path of peace in 2022. I'm telling you, we've been through some uh, tumultuous times and we've been through some trials and some tribulations and a lot of them are rooted in our immaturity, our inability to act in a mature fashion and in a mature way. Listen here. 
listen, because I know I don't have a lot of time to be before you today. I got some some uh, appointments that I got to get to, so I got to get straight to the point. We are wasting time. We are wasting time. It's so much work in the vineyard that needs to be done and so much that we've got to get ready for what God is bringing into the earth. And we waste so much time on pettiness, on pettiness because we do not have the emotional fortitude, the emotional stability. We don't have the ability to go forth and to be leaders. Remember the word of God encourages us to whom much is given, much is required. God has given us the gift of life. He has given us the gift of salvation and it is our responsibility to be the ambassadors in the earth that God has called us to be. And we have got to be the leaders. We've got to lead the way. We've got to draw others according to those that God set across our path. We've got to draw them to the kingdom, draw them to the gospel. And a lot of times we uh, are unable to do that because we lose our witness because we're so emotionally immature. Now listen, I am one who believes that God has given us emotions. He's given us emotions uh, uh, as a tool. He's given us emotions as, uh, uh, um, you know, as a, as a uh, supplement, right? As a tool. I'm trying to get my words together. As a matter of fact, now that I remember, I didn't start out in prayer. <laughs> a lot of times that's why I be stuttering and trying to get stuff together because we got to get, we got to set things right, set the atmosphere, get the Holy Spirit in control and let Jesus reign over this conversation. Father God, we thank and praise you this morning. We thank you for your majesty. We honor you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. We thank you for your presence. And as I begin to minister the word that you have given me for your people, Father God, I pray today. I pray, Lord God, that you will take full reign and full control. Father God, help us to hear from you according to what you desire in this day, Lord God. I thank and praise you today for each and every person that is listening under the sound of my voice. Father God, as we continue to pursue your purpose in the earth, I pray that 2022 will be a year of unity, congruency, peace. Oh, Father God, I pray that you will uh, um, embody us with your presence, Lord God. Oh, Father God, that you will take full control, that you will shine the floodlight from heaven onto each and every one of us. And if there be anything in us that is not like you, Father God, take it away. We don't want nothing that belongs to the enemy. Father, we want to serve you. Purify us. Purify us, Lord God. Oh, Father God, that we can be the vessels 
that you desire to use in this season. We are the remnant within the remnant, and we desire to be those who you are calling for in these last and yet evil days. Now, Father God, touch my brothers and sisters all around this nation, all around this world, Lord God, who are seeking you. Let them find you. (laughs) Oh, Father God, we pray for salvation and deliverance and households and lives of those who love you. We need you, God. We need you each and every day, every moment. And I thank you. I thank you. Now, Father God, word my mouth. Hide me, Lord God, that they don't see me, but they see you. Have your way, Father God, and let your perfect will be done. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Now, Father God, we seal this prayer through our faith. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you will dispatch your angels to do that which you have commissioned them to do in each and every one of our lives. And Father God, we ask for immediate manifestation of your glory through this prayer. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. Thank God and amen. All right. All right. I feel good now. (laughs) Oh, God, we got to do things decent and in order. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. We are not forgotten. We are not forgotten. We are not forgotten. God knows our name. We are not forgotten. We are not forgotten. We are not forgotten. God knows our name. He knows our name. (laughs) He knows your name this morning. My God, my God. And because you are listening, because you are listening to this message, he knows right where you are. It is time for us to get emotionally mature. Okay, so what I was saying is that God uses emotions as a tool, as a utensil, as something that that can help to enhance our ability to do a thing. I do not subscribe to what a lot of people subscribe to in that They believe that there are some emotions that are good. There are some emotions that are bad. There are some emotions that can benefit you and some emotions that are detrimental to you. I don't subscribe to that. I believe that emotions are emotions and in and of themselves, they are gifts and they are tools. And with any else that God has given us, if you misuse it, underuse it, misrepresent it, or don't use it in its right way or how it was intended, it can become a detriment. But emotions are indicators. Sometimes God will give us emotions, some emotions that we don't like, like feeling sad or or going through grief or, you know, being angry. Certain emotions are indicators. They are indicators of things that need to be handled or taken care of. So I wanted to get that out the way (laughs) before we get into this study. And also, um, uh, there is a book that I want to recommend, and I got to go through my library real quick, because prophetess, <clears throat> a lot of times, my mind does not remember a lot of stuff, but anyway, I've got my Audible I talk about a lot of times, and I love my Audible. 
I got about 300 uh, books in my Audible. Yes, I do. And one day, I'm going to get somebody to download all of these books into a library for me. I'm telling you, I love it. I love it. And I thank God. I thank God for this company and the ideal and concept that they had for people like me who, you know, I love to read, but I don't have time. And I am an extremely slow reader. Always have been. And I I read slow because I like to comprehend and the way my brain works, I got to figure it out while I'm reading it. (laughs) But anyway, my audible. So the book I wanted to recommend is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It is written by Peter uh, Zero. Uh, S-C-A-Z-Z-E-R-O. He is the author of uh, many books. He's got many books around um, um, emotionally healthy leaders and and things like that. Uh, The Emotionally Healthy uh, Disciple something like that. He writes, but anyway, go look him up. Go look him up. You will not be disappointed. He's got a lot of books, but the one that I want to focus on is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. This book was a blessing to me. Uh, I have, I've gone through it a couple of times. I have the Audible and I have the hard copy or soft copy of the of the book. And I've gone through it multiple times. And, and when I'm um, engaged in it. I'm telling you, it's a blessing. It is a blessing. Um, let me tell you, the, what do they say? It's a saying that says, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. And that has been my testimony with so many things. God has, has helped me <clears throat> in so many different ways uh, by uh, uh, presenting to me these uh, books and, and information and knowledge. And, you know, while I'm in it, <laughs> and I'm cognizant of it. I'm applying the principles in my life. I'm telling you, my life is so much better. But sometimes we get a little lazy and complacent with life. We become content in our mess, you know, and we just build up these bad habits that we got rid of. But anyway, to be a help to you as we get into this conversation, um, that is a good book. Another thing that I want to introduce you to is there is a um, there is a ministry. There is a ministry, and and I'm talking slow because I'm trying to get to it <laughs> while I'm while I'm talking to you. But there's there's a ministry um, that focuses their attention on uh, conflict, on conflict and resolving conflict. And the name of that ministry is Peacemaker Ministries, Peacemaker Ministries. And if you all follow me, uh, you may remember a part of my testimony when I shared with you my first attempt of going uh, um, and pursuing my master's degree. I was going to Indiana Wesleyan University and it was my first experience with a real show enough Christian college uh, that was about the gospel. Everything that they do, uh, uh, the gospel is integrated into their work, okay? 
Uh, but anyway, I was having a conflict with one of my my um, colleagues, one of my, my schoolmates, and she and I just couldn't get along. And I knew I was right. As a matter of fact, I was standing on the side of right, okay? She was all wrong. <laughs> but I, the way I was handling things was inappropriate. It was very immature, and it was wrong. So my professor... And I can't to this day, I got to go back and look at my my records and, and things like that so I can remember his name. And as a matter of fact, I better go back and thank him uh, for this. But my professor introduced me to uh, this ministry, and it is Peacemaker Ministries. And he reached out to me for whatever reason. I'm so grateful. And he told me about a study called Resolving everyday conflict, resolving everyday conflict. And I uh, took the the, um, the course, I took the course, and then I began teaching it myself. I started wrapping it into my ministry and incorporating it into my life coaching. And uh, it, it it's a blessing. It's a blessing. So I would encourage you, go to Peacemakers. Go to peacemakers.org and uh, uh, pull up there, resolving everyday conflict. And this had to be about 15, you know, years ago or so when I was uh, pursuing this. So they have in the curriculum and I stay close to them uh, and try to to brush up on my skills every now and then. I'm telling you, when we get going, listen, God has given me such a great vision uh, for the church, for the church. When we get going at Life Path Apostolic um, Agape House of Prayer. I'm telling you, we're going to be some soldiers, y'all. We're going to be ready. We're going to be ready because God is going to ensure that we are emotionally mature and equipped to handle what he sends our way, that we know how to resolve conflict, that we are ambassadors of Christ. That means that we reflect everything that is reflected in the kingdom, that we are the representation of the kingdom. In order for us to be that, we've got to be whole. God has really just been been dealing with me about this ministry. And what is it? What is it? What are we to do? How are we going to flavor the earth? How are we going to be the salt? How will we be the light? God is really, really looking at this thing from a holistic perspective. And we cannot lose our witness. We can't lose our witness. Some of us walking around here and we've got the mental capacity, not the mental capacity, I apologize. We have the emotional capacity of a child. The emotional capacity of a child. We refuse to deal with our emotions. And I'm telling you, there are certain aspects of my life where I have a low level emotional maturity. My level of emotional maturity is is low and I acknowledge that 
And I've got to work in those areas. I work extra hard. I work extra hard. And and let me just give you a real life example. (laughs) I'm so sensitive when it comes to my babies. My babies, I'm telling you, I love those children. And I share with you all on earlier podcasts how I was so obsessed. I made them my idols. I made gods out of my little babies. You couldn't tell me nothing about mine. Listen, they belong to me. God gave them to me. And I loved them accordingly. Accordingly, but God had to show me, you are putting them before me. Not only that, you're putting yourself in my position in their lives. Uh, move, get on out the way. But anyway, I made them such idols. But the residual effect and impact, and I'm just being transparent, is that them little boogers can touch my heart like nobody else. <laughs> they can hurt my feelings like nobody else. And I am so emotionally immature in so many areas concerning my children. And sometimes to avoid and evade the emotions that I am immature in, I just cut it off. I just stop and we're going to talk about it. That is not what God desires. That's not emotional maturity. There's a good and a bad way to handle things. There's a right and a wrong way to handle things. I think in this world, we, we, we uh, become so self-sufficient and the world has over the last few years, we've, 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 uh, um, engaged in a campaign to to self-help ourselves and and to develop ourselves. And we've done such a great job that we have gotten away from the core principles of Christ. We have gotten away from the purpose and the plan that he has given us and the ways that he intended for us to live to live, to live, to live. So we've gotten away from some of those things and, and we've we've focused our attention into these precepts and concepts that the world gives us and they are not godly. They are not godly. You hear me? You understand what I'm trying to tell you. There is a right and a wrong way to do things. There's a good and a bad way to do things. And we just get complacent with life. We get in a position where we just feel like, okay, well, hey, if I did it, it's all right. If I live this way, it's all right. No, no, no. God gives us the answers and Jesus is the only answer. I don't want to talk in in circles and not give you all something substantive, but I want to get that into your heads. We can't just live however we want to live. We can't just do whatever we want to do. And if you look back over your life, if you look over the last few years, how's that work for you? (laughs) Doing you. I'm going to do me. You do you. I'm going to do things the way I want to do it. You do it how you, how does that work for you? I can tell you my, and my spiritual walk and my Christian walk and my walk with Christ, I can't do stuff the way I want to do it and just dismiss what God says because my life would be in shambles. It would be a whole big old mess, a whole big old mess. I'm telling you, if I don't pray, If I don't get up and pray, if I don't get up and seek God, if I don't get up and listen to him, if I don't allow his presence to be in in my life, 
My life is a whole big old mess. And some of us going through it just because of that. Just because of that. And we think, okay, well, it's all right because I'll get back to praying regularly, you know, in a week or so. I'll get back to getting into his presence in in about a week or so because that takes up a lot of my time. You know, I got to get up in the morning and pray then noonday and then, you know, in the evening. and, And, you know, I got to seek God before I make a decision. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. But I'm telling you, when you are in relationship with the Father, it won't be a burden to you. It'll be an excitement. It'll be something that you look forward to in the morning and and in the evening and in the midday. <laughs> Lord, where are you? I got to feel your presence. I got to be in your presence. Uh, me and my baby were talking the other day. I told her, I said, it seemed like the more I eat, the more I want to eat. The last couple of days, I just, it's something, you know, I've been praying. I've been praying and praying uh to God about my mom and her situation. I've been praying, Lord, just increase her appetite, increase her appetite. And so we know that we handle the spiritual side, but there's also a natural side of things. So, so I've been trying to, you know, just, just, uh, uh, seek God for direction concerning her. And I said, Lord, it's almost like the more I pray, for her appetite to increase, the more mine is increasing, my God. But anyway, and then my baby said to me, she said, Ma, it seems like the more I drink water, the more I want water. The more I, you know, indulge in it, the more I want it. That's how it is with the Holy Ghost. That's how it is with the presence of God. The more we get into his presence, the more we get into his grace, the more we come into his gates, the more we want to be with him. Trust me, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm telling you what I know, what I know. So anyway, in this 2022, as we seek the face of God for direction, I believe that this is the year, this is the year that God has ordained for me and you in 2022 to gravitate closer to his kingdom purpose and to be the leader that he called us to be in order for us to do that in order for us to do that we have got to become emotionally mature emotionally mature I can tell you countless times that my emotional immaturity has ruined situations and circumstances and see, I know many of y'all, especially the ones that know me, y'all got a mental uh, 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 picture in your head of Don turning tables and cutting off ears and doing stuff that I ain't no business doing, clocking out, going off, all of that stuff. You know, and, and that is true. Those are some of the times that, you know, I've ruined situations where I lost my witness. But other times... The emotional uh, immaturity has caused me to miss the mark and what God has called me to do because my emotional immaturity, it shows up a lot of times through aggression. So I'll, I'll clock out, I'll go off, and I'm, I'm the type of person I tell you, I tell people all the time, I get angry quick and I get over it quick. I get over it quicker 
people be like, well, why, how you, how you dealing with this one? How you love that one? How you, I mean, hey, I just, I get over it quick. My anger don't last long. As a matter of fact, God put this little thing in my brain. Sometimes I've been unforgot sooner than it, you know, than it happened. But anyway, my emotional immaturity will manifest itself by uh, blocking or, or disengaging. I, I'm quick now. I used to be the type of person, I hold on, hold on, hold on, but I'm quick to cut you off. I, I, look, <laughs> you disturbing my peace? Bye. I heard you said something? Bye. You did something? Bye. I, and, and look, the older I got, the thing became preemptive. <laughs> like, oh yeah, uh-huh, I know that one. Let me just keep my distance. I'm going to look up. Bye. <laughs> I cut you off real quick. But that is emotional immaturity because I refuse to go through the emotions. I refuse to go through, right? Because sometimes those emotions that I have that are are generated from situations are good emotions. It's good to be angry. Listen, I'm telling y'all the truth. It's good to be angry because again, Anger is an indicator, right? It's it's that tool that God uses to say, knock, 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 something ain't right. And that anger, if, if processed the right way, could be a tool that is used to bridge a gap in a relationship. Okay, now, now wait a minute. I'm angry. Why, why am I feeling that emotion? There's a boundary that I have not set in a healthy way to be able to have a better relationship with this individual. I can't just cut you off because, you know, uh, (laughs) I cut you off. God may not be uh, pleased with that because either you are my assignment, you are a loved one, you're someone that, you know, I have to work with or something. I don't know. I can't just cut you off. So I have to learn how to process through those emotions and use them as a tool or an indicator that there needs to be change. And sometimes because of our mental state, we can't process through stuff. So we got to pray. We got to pray that God allows us to position ourselves. And I hope I'm doing my assignment right. I'm trying to rush and get through this because I don't want to lose uh, uh, the time that God has, has given me with you today. But I want to talk about something uh, that is close to my heart. And I want to get this out here about dysfunction in the family. Dysfunction in the family. And I come from a highly functioning, dysfunctional family. Highly functioning, meaning that we are, while we are estranged from each other, we fuss, fight, whatever, have a lot of years of animosity. When there is a challenge, when there is trouble, we come together. We come together. I even say that our dysfunction is what helps us to function because we become so common with it. 
We become so common with it. I, I Sometimes I get frustrated uh, with certain family members who like to perpetuate, to perpetuate drama. You know, when we go through stuff, they just, you know, certain ones, you just be like, okay. You, you, you just like drama. But there's something in my family. I, I always say I grew up with a bunch of titans. And, and, and when we were growing up, there were certain attributes about uh, the core of who we were that made you recognize as being superior. And I believe my father instilled this in us, my natural father instilled this in us. If you have the intellect, our intelligence was highly important as we were growing up. If you have the physical brawn or strength, that was something that was uh, highly revered and, and, and beauty. So, so, Brains, brawn, and beauty. That was a a concoction, a combination, a recipe for success in our home. And one of the things that uh, I feel was a trait or a, a, a indicator, a manifestation of, okay, look, <laughs> you are all of these things. You embody all of these things as if you had the ability to force your will on others, right? So, so you know, the, uh, uh, if, if you strong, right, the strongest one is the one who can, you know, hey, I'm going to make you shut up. I'm going to make you see this. I'm going to force my perspective on you. And this is a core uh, uh, value that was in the subculture of our family unit. It was just how we did things. You know, we, we birthed a lot of bullies. You know, it produced a lot of narcissistic uh, mentalities and behaviors. And I'm saying that, and I know people are going to get offended because we, you know, hey, but guess what? Don't, don't, don't let my words cut you. Wait till I get to the word of God. I <laughs> get cut. Don't get cut from my words because this is just Dawn's perspective. Dawn's perspective, uh, based and rooted in the facts of her life. So anyway, it produced our inability to be compassionate or to have empathy, right? Again, the core thread of narcissism and all about me, self-centeredness. So so we grew with that. So we started to believe that, hey, I ain't no punk. You can't punk me. And because I ain't no punk and you can't punk me, I'm weak if I don't usurp your authority and your will. We, as, as we grew and as we matured in our younger years, uh, as young adults, we would always fall out because one person wanted to project their perspective or opinion on another person, and we get mad at each other because you uh, uh, don't uh, uh, accept my perspective in your life. <laughs> so, so you ain't doing what I told you to do. You ain't listening to what I'm saying. You know, we had all these kind of, of immature arguments with each other because at the root of it, we were attempting to usurp the uh, right or the authority of, of a person's free will, of a person's free will. But anyway, I don't want to focus a lot on that, but I'm going to talk about it one day. But I wanted to just briefly touch on how dysfunction in the family 
becomes uh, a common, it becomes so common that it becomes invisible. We begin to think that this function is healthy and this function is right because we become common with it. But I come here to tell you today that this function in the family is not of God. It was never his intention. He intended to us, he intended for us to have healthy relationships. And what do I mean by healthy? Being able to be in each other's presence and to be able to be a benefit, to be able to be an enhancement in each other's lives, not to pull away or drain, pull away or drain, to be uh, 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 an asset and not a liability. But anyway, a dysfunctional family is a family in which conflict, misbehavior, and other neglect and abuse are continuous and consistent and regular in the family. In the family. Where relationships with family members are tense and they are filled with yelling, screaming, arguments, with neglect, How many of y'all know that there are some families that all they do, all they do, they got drama on top of drama on top of drama for no reason. I'm telling you in 2022, y'all better be careful because the enemy is so uh, 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 slimy and so swift. And what he does, he wants to try to divide the family because he knows the power that we have in unity. As a matter of fact, listen to me and hear me clear. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his main objective. That's his MO. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he knows that there are some family members that God created to be the salt of the earth, to be the light to the world, and to demonstrate God's love in the earth. And he wants to do everything he can to turn that around. He wants to do everything he can to soil that and to sabotage sabotage that uh, uh, um, persona of the family. He wants to do it. He wants to pull it down from the inside out, and we allow him to do it. Be very careful because it's going to be those small little sparks that create catastrophic, you know, nuclear wars in the family. I promise you, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. God gave me this this sight as a prophet, as a prophet, and he sent me here with this warning. He sent me here with this warning because it's going to be small little conflicts that are going to blow out of proportion. And I'm telling you, it's going to cost some their lives. It is going to cost some their lives. The enemy has caused our hearts to become so callous against family members, loved ones. I'm telling you that we don't have the right compassion in our hearts for our loved ones and some when you when you add that with you know being a hothead and impulsive 
And nowadays, you know, you could get a gun or a weapon anytime. We go from loving one another to having a deeply rooted hate and hatred for each other that the enemy put there subtly. He's very subtle in that. Next thing we know, we having an argument and somebody pulling a gun or, or getting a knife or, or, or getting a bat or hammer or something. Y'all, y'all better hear prophetess. Y'all better hear me. Deal with it now. God is bringing us a warning. He ain't going to bring it to us if he didn't already resolve the issue and give us the answers that we need. I'm telling you the truth. Seek God, especially if you if you the hothead. If you the hothead. Because see, one thing for certain. You can fulfill God's will in heaven, in hell, or in jail. Because he's going to get his purpose. And what I mean by that is if you go on to heaven... You, you've done your job here in the earth. Some of us go prematurely, but you've done what you need to do. If you go to jail, you can preach behind bars. You go to hell, somebody going to look at your life and say, oh, don't want it to be me. Y'all better listen to what I'm saying. So anyway, so when you find yourself trying to usurp the free will or, um, you know, the ability for others to make their own decisions, to, to do things the way that they best see fit, then you are demonstrating a level or a manifestation of emotional immaturity, emotional immaturity. And and like I said, I'm going to share with you why in just a moment. Um, but but think about it when we think about that that Jezebel spirit. And let me say this because it's on the top of my mind. Uh, we have the authority. God has given us authority over certain things, right? So as a mother, I have authority over parenting my children. As a wife, I have authority over nurturing and relating to my husband. Uh, As a manager, as a manager, I manage programs, I manage projects. I have the authority to lead my team. So there are areas that we have rightful authority. And we don't coerce or, or, or bully or, you know, uh, uh, misuse our authority by trying to usurp the free will of others. But we lead and we guide, okay? But on the other hand, I do not have authority over, you know, I said I have authority over my children as a mother, as a parent. I don't have authority over the same level of authority over my children's children. And that authority that I have over my adult children versus when they were um, minors shifts or it changes. Okay? So um, we have to be cognizant 
of the level of authority or will start walking in the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel was one who wanted to simulate authority. She couldn't emulate it because she didn't have the core or the the source of it, but she wanted to simulate authority uh, to manipulate others to do what she wanted them to do. Jezebel, who was under the umbrella or under the governance of Baal, the god Baal, and his whole uh, (laughs) MO was to take the will of others and enforce the will, which is totally contrary to who God is, the God that we serve. But anyway, just wanted to throw that out there, throw that out there so y'all know what you're dealing with, how to identify this thing and how to see it. I was laughing uh, the other day because I was talking to a few people and we were just talking about a situation that was uh, underway that was occurring. And I said, for the life of me, for the life of me, I don't understand how people derive realities in their mind, you know, about who other people are, you know, <laughs> in, your mi- in your mind, you, you, you mighty mouse and Superman and all of these great heroes and you could do all of these things in your mind in your mind, <laughs> but you ain't never put that test to reality. And in the sense that uh, I heard, uh, uh, what's his name? Mike Tyson say one time, he said, everybody can fight until they get punched in the face, you know, until they get that first punch. But people think, people in their minds and in their immaturity think that, you know, you are obliged to live or to represent the, a standard of living that they deem is 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 worthy, right? So in other words, you know, if, if you ain't turned up, if you ain't cussing, if you ain't, you know, uh, forcing somebody physically, you weak, you weak. <laughs> what they don't understand is that it takes a great deal of resilience. It takes a great deal of strength to love to love, and I'm talking about love in the agape, love in the agape, unconditional love. It takes a great deal of fortitude, strength, and might, and we can't do it on our own. We have to allow God's Holy Spirit. It's easy. It's easy to turn up. It's easy to cut somebody out. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. It don't take much effort to get up in somebody's face and think, you know, especially folk that you know that you physically uh, uh, stronger than. It it don't take much to do that kind of thing. But baby, try try being uh, patient with somebody that you know you could dog walk all up and down the sidewalk, all in the street and all around, upside down. And just as nasty and evil, but you just, look, I don't want to lose my witness. I love this person. I don't want to force my will. I want to love them into, you know, a a, a better or healthy or quality space. Baby, that takes strength. But you can't, you cannot explain blood to a turnip. You can't. 
and you keep trying. You better let God, you better let God take the scales off of people's eyes. Keep on trying to go and and and, and help a turn up understand what blood is, because it's red and it's red. No, no, no. Folk ain't gonna get you. So anyway, for those who want to receive, receive it. But I had something to talk about this morning, and I wanted to start in uh, Philippians. Philippians, uh, starting from uh, verse uh, chapter four, uh, and and really, just because we have time, I'm gonna go uh, Philippians four, starting at verse one. And I wanna I wanna read the whole chapter, but I told y'all I got this thing where I read slow, but we're gonna see how, how prophet is going. Y'all know I love my message Bible, so we're gonna go through here. But the word of God says if you start in Philippians chapter four, uh this is uh chapter four, verse one, and I'm just gonna continue to read. It says, My dear, dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. Fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. Listen to what the man of God is saying. Stay steady in God. He said, I love you so much. And I do want the very best for you. Prophetess wants the very best for each and every one of you. And this one, I'm going to slow up a little bit because these words are not common to me, but I'm going to try to say them the way that I say them. All right, y'all go get in there and read it yourself. The word of God says in chapter uh, four, Philippians verse two, uh, the man of God is encouraging them to pray about everything. He says, I urge Eurydia, E-U-O-D-I-A, and Sintosh, S-Y-N-T-Y-C-H-E, to iron out their differences and what? Make up. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. God does not want his children holding grudges. Now, you got to remember that during this time, the uh, Apostle Paul was instructing the church. The church was being developed. It was being built. And this was uh, some of the beginning times of Christianity being formed. And so he's instructing them. He's getting word of challenges that they're having. And he he's instructing them. And he said, he said that God doesn't want his children holding grudges. Uh, verse three, it says, and oh, yes, and I, I'm i going to mess this name up, Sysgus, uh, and, and somebody said, you need to go and listen to the Bible before you start preaching it. <laughs> because some of these words will get you jacked up. But it's spelled S-Y-Z-Y-G-U-S. Since you're right there to help, to help them work things out, do your best with them. These women work for the message hand in hand with uh, Clement and me and with the other veterans worked as hard as any of us. Remember their names are also in the book of life. So what he's telling them here and, and, and it's important that he said, he said, look, uh, 
Cy, I'm going to call him Cy. <laughs> Since you're right there uh, to help them work things out, you already there. I want you to do your best. Help these women because they, they challenged. They were the women who, were, who worked uh, the message hand in hand with Clement and me. They were right there. They the veterans. They right there with the rest of them. And remember, their names are also in the book of life. The word of God says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them to see the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. Don't fret or worry. worry. Instead, Instead of worrying, pray. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Submitting it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not to curse, put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. All right. So I'm going to stop there. I'm just, I just read one through nine and I struggled through those names. But I, I encourage you go back and read it for yourself. But if we get into the word, if we just kind of break that down, Paul, Paul desired, he longed to have his brothers and sisters in Christ to stand fast in the Lord. And that the peace of God, the God of peace might be with them. He told the the people of God that in order for them to achieve this, they must be in peace. They must pursue the path of peace. In Philippians 4, verses 1 through uh, 4, he instructed them, live together in harmony. Live together in harmony as true comrades, as, 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 as lovers of people, as, as um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cohorts, cohorts. <laughs> we've, been, we've been watching a lot of uh, Marvel over the weekend, my husband sat down and he he started Infinity Wars and I forgot the one that came right before that. Uh, but we were just watching how those teams were coming together, how they were coming together for a common good. And some of them uh, really came together, but they they were once enemies but anyway they came together but but so Paul is instructing them he's saying come together as true comrades remember we all in this together 
because he was reminding them in Philippians 4 and 3, he said, because their names are written in the book of life. And they should be of the same mindset. And rejoice in the Lord always. These women were having a, com a conflict. Paul had gotten word that there was conflict in the church. And he said, look, help don't hurt. How many times have we been in the midst of, of other people's conflict and we just gossiping and doing, you know, and, and, and listen, full transparency. That was me. That was me the other day. <laughs> I was so, oh, I'm telling you, I got so frustrated with, with a situation that, that I got wind of. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm just so sick of childishness. I'm sick of people being so childish and, you know, just considering where my mom is and, and the situation that we're going through. Everybody's mind needs to be focused on uh, her recovery and well-being. But anyway, I got caught up because then I started going down one path. <laughs> then I started getting down a rabbit hole. And I said, wait a minute, I'm, 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 I'm gossiping. I gotta pull out of this. I better, I better watch myself. But anyway, Paul urges, he employs them, he emphasizes that these feelings in the family and in, in, in the the kingdom of God are necessary. Because if we don't have solidarity with one another, we can't stand fast as those peace fighters, as as the kingdom ambassadors that God created us to be. If we can't have peace of mind with each other, how in the world are we going to be able to draw others into the kingdom? Don't nobody like mess? Paul, Paul, Paul wanted them to understand that in the body of Christ, We've got so many playing different roles, almost like an orchestra. You got so many different people who are playing many different instruments and producing many different notes. But if they work together, they can harmonize and each musician will be able to play their part in rhythm and in harmony. You just... Think about it. Just, just think about an orchestra. I, I learned very recently, very recently. Now, I don't like the opera. I still ain't an opera listener. But I learned, baby, I like listening to uh, the orchestra. I like the, I like the horns. I like the, the, the bass, you know, the good the not good time, but y'all know what I'm talking about. I just love just listening to all of those sounds together coming together. So what Paul was trying to get them to understand in Philippians 4 verses 1 through 4 is that we have to learn to live together in harmony and enjoy. And you can't live together in harmony and joy being emotionally immature emotionally immature. You cannot do it. That fight or flight, 
If you find yourself resting in any of those two areas, you are emotionally immature. He also told him, if you look Right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I did not know that my recording stopped. <laughs> it just stopped. And uh, but anyway, so let me let me let me just recap real quick. We were talking about Philippians and we were talking about Paul, and he was admonishing uh the early day saints, those uh saints, those uh, Christians that were laying uh, the foundation of the church. And there appeared to have been a conflict with two very specific people, and it was impacting the church. And so he sent instruction, and he wanted them to work together uh, to help them to resolve it. But what he was instructing them and helping them to see is that a key, right, a key to living this Christian life was to live together in harmony and joy, living together in harmony and joy. And so I was about to step into, just further break down uh, Philippians 4 verses 5 through 7, where he was instructing them to get rid of anxiety, to remove that anxiety, because anxiety it further perpetuates those tensions and creates aggression. And that aggression creates conflict and that conflict creates fighting and chaos. A lot of times when you're already in a stressful situation, when you compound it with anxiety, that anxiety being displaced will cause further tension and aggression. And see what he was telling them. He said, look, take it to God in prayer. Take it to God in prayer. Because we want to be known by all men by what? Our gentleness. He tells them in Philippians uh, 4 and 5. And that's key. That's key because what sets us apart? What sets us apart? Sometimes we get so blended and into the ways of this world that we no longer know what makes us different from the world. What makes us different is we carry the identity and the attributes of Christ. He told him, he said, we want to be known to all men, our gentleness to be known to all men. Paul was wise in that he was letting them know that that anxiety that we have, that that stress, that that uh, hyper-sensitive stress and anxiety, it vanishes when we trust God. Take it to him in prayer. Release it to him in prayer. Make our requests known to God. He said through prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. That's the key. That's the key to freedom from anxiety is that we've got to pray. A lot of times we forfeit our peace of mind because we refuse to take it to God in prayer. 
casting our burdens through supplication and through just being thankful. Don't focus on the 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 things at hand in the sense that you're just dwelling on the negative. He told him in, in Philippians 4 and 8, he said, look, think constructively. Think on the things that are true and noble and just and pure, things that are lovely, reputable, virtuous, and praiseworthy. Dwell on those things. That's the key to keeping our minds uplifted. And not distracted by just the the challenges of the world. Remember, I said there's a right and a wrong way to do things, and the right thinking is realistic thinking. And realistic thinking is the reality that God is in full control. And the enemy doesn't have an upper hand on God. If we think based on this, we'll harvest or, or, or garner boldness and, and strength and joy knowing that God is the source of our supply. He went on to tell him in Philippians 4 and 9, he said, Obey the teachings of Christ Jesus, what we've been taught and what we've learned by revelation from God. From the Lord, what we receive from the church, from the body through seeing miracles, what we heard by our leaders, what we've seen through miracles, signs, and wonders. He told him, He said, Do these things that we have learned. Be disciplined in living out your salvation. The bottom line is he he wanted to admonish them to promote harmony, confidence, constructive thinking, and the good works of the gospel. To live out the gospel. I was looking into just briefly emotions and, and and our emotional stability. There's a spectrum of emotions that we as humans experience. And on those spectrums, there are certain levels of maturity as we experience them. And like I said, in my perspective, I don't see emotions as good or bad in and of themselves. It's how we process through those emotions, our level of um, maturity as we experience them is what makes them good or bad. So here are some emotions that as humans we experience. And I'll I'll start with the left end of the spectrum. (laughs) And I work my way around 
So beginning with loathing and then rage, vigilance, ecstasy, admiration, terror, amazement, and grief. So loathing produces disgust or boredom. Rage produces anger and annoyance. Vigilance, anticipation and interest, ecstasy, joy and serenity. Admiration, trust and acceptance. Terror, fear and apprehension. Amazement, surprise and distraction. And grief produces sadness Those emotions cause us to feel contempt, aggressiveness, optimism, love, submission, awe, disapproval, and remorse. Each of these emotions are tools that we use to help us to describe what our feelings are. Sometimes we experience these emotions exclusively, and sometimes we experience them in combination. At the root of those emotions, there are four core, I'm sorry, six core emotions, emotional categories that we feel. We feel mad, scared, joyful, powerful, peaceful, or sad. Again, depending on what area you're in, in the spectrum, your level of emotional maturity makes a huge difference. Sometimes when we're sad, we might feel bored or lonely, depressed at times, even ashamed or guilty. Sometimes we get apathetic and sleepy. But what your emotional uh, maturity does when you're experiencing these emotions is that being sad alone is not a good or a bad thing. But if you start feeling guilty which leads you to feeling stupid about setting a boundary that you should have made in your life, then that's emotional immaturity. But if you feel guilty for a behavior that you did, that you know you were trying to manipulate somebody, and it made you feel guilty, that sadness shows that it is a mature emotion because it prompts you to a feeling that should promote change. Sometimes when we get mad, we might get angry or 
feel rage or hostility. Being mad by itself is nothing wrong with it. The Bible even tells us to be angry and sin not. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you try to walk in my house and steal my TV. I feel some kind of rage or anger or something. But if I get mad at you because I'm trying to project my values on you and you don't receive them or accept them, that's emotional immaturity. Those scared feelings that lead to insecurity and, and helplessness, sometimes rejection, makes us feel discouraged or bewildered. Emotional security, I'm sorry, emotional maturity, when you're experiencing that emotion, looks like, up, oh, warning. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety here because there's danger ahead. I need to be in tune to why am I feeling scared? Why, why do I feel rejected? in this situation because I shouldn't be trying to be a part of because it's contrary to the Christ that's in me versus being scared and feeling foolish or discouraged or embarrassed because, oh, they rejected me because my light is shining and theirs is dim. Emotion of joy being excited and vibrant and energetic. Delightful. That's the mature side of joy. But if you find joy in other people's demise, you get excited because you see people falling down. That's immaturity. The emotion of being powerful. Having pride and being proud. I'm not saying being prideful. That's that's an immature manifestation of that emotion. Your ego just being overwhelming. You think you better than everybody. That's that narcissistic trait. But power that causes you to be faithful and hopeful, confident, knowing that God is the source of your supply. The emotion of peacefulness, trusting, loving, serenity. Now, now y'all don't want to be like me and find your peace and look, I'm not about to deal with you today. <laughs> that's, that's flight. That's avoiding. These are all emotions that we feel. There's nothing wrong with the emotions in and of themselves. Emotional maturity is vital. And emotional security is the process of learning how to successfully navigate through 
those emotions through the spectrum of emotions and taking responsibility about how you feel and learning how to use those emotions as a tool to help you to live and cultivate a healthy life, a, a, a better degree of mental stability. You have to be very intentional about being emotional, emotionally mature because emotional immaturity is self-defeating and it'll, it'll cause you to justify your actions and your attitudes and to look at situations and say, okay, it ain't my fault. It ain't my problem. And it definitely is not my responsibility. I'm not responsible for taking accountability and responsibility for my feelings. I don't have to have shame or guilt or disappointment. But as emotionally mature people, we have to learn how to handle uncomfortable emotions and behaviors and adjust and adapt accordingly. See, because if we don't learn this, I'm telling you, we're going to have more issues in our lives. We're going to have more conflict. We're going to be more subject to abuse and addiction. Because All because we don't want to experience the emotion. I always tell people, I don't understand why people get high and drunk. And they do it because they're trying to get away from feeling or processing through emotions. Because they don't feel like life is fair or that they deserve certain things that have happened to them. Some some people who are emotionally immature they feel like, well, I don't have to waste my time on feelings. I don't like to deal with emotions. They see emotions as a headache, as a as a uh, kink in your armor. If you're an emotional person, you must be weak. <laughs> They don't take the time to build their emotional maturity through self-exploration and, and education. They don't explore their emotions because they don't they can't stand to deal with them. They just want to feel certain emotions. They want to avoid others. But they don't understand that emotionally mature people, they know how to navigate, I'm sorry, because they know how to navigate their way around and through their emotions, they have a much more fulfilling life. And it takes time. It takes effort. It's not going to happen overnight. 
It's not going to happen overnight. If you're a person who holds grudges, if if you can look beyond your uh, imperfections, but you can't look beyond other people, if you hold on to your first impression about somebody, or or expect people to be perfect when you're imperfect, if you blow up at the least little thing. You are emotionally immature. And life is going to keep dishing you problem after problem after problem. Seek God. And seek through some of the tools that I've shared today. Seek help. Paul gave us some great advice in Philippians. I share with you the spectrum of what those emotions are and how they produce and manifest in our lives. As we go on this journey for this next 21 days of fasting and praying, I want you to, especially those who struggle with emotional uh, maturity, I want you to seek God like never before for deliverance, answers, principles that we can live by. It is so vital. I'm telling you. It is so vital, not just because of your responsibility to the kingdom, but because of the consequences that your actions will hold. Some are going to be the difference between life and death. I guarantee you that. In 2022. All right, so that's as far as I'm going to go today. But I hope I at least gave y'all something to think about. Go back and get those books I talked about. Go back and get that study. I'm probably going to come on here later and do another about how to deal with conflict. Because it's important. We all got to learn it. All right, love you all. Father God, I just thank you for this study. I thank you for this opportunity to come together with one another. And Father, I just pray (coughs) that we will see the manifestation (coughs) and that your word will become real in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name, thank God and amen.